Hey family, thank you so much for joining us here on our YouTube channel. We pray that this sermon touches your heart and changes your life, that you and I would all be conformed into the image of His Son, Jesus. And hey, if you wanna to continue to see more word like this and help us get this message of truth, this message of Jesus out to a hurting world. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. I wanna encourage you to be one of our truth partners. And you can do that by texting truth partner, one word, to 53555 today. And help us get this message of truth out to so many broken people. You and I and the whole world simply need Jesus. We love you. Thank you for being a truth partner. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon. Subscribe, ring that bell for future notifications. God bless you. And would you help me welcome Pastor Joanne this morning to the stage, amen. Give her a big God bless you. Thank you. Is your mic on? I think so. Yeah, there you go. Good morning, everyone. You look beautiful. Thank you. Pink, hot pink. <laughs> look at those shoes. You look like you could click them and go to Oz. You look amazing. Thank you, babe. I love you. I love you. And um, I'm glad that you are here doing this with me today. And we're going to start off with prayer. Let's pray. If you're with your spouse, grab their hand. And Lord, I thank you for marriage. I thank you for the gift of marriage. I thank you for what marriage is in your word. Thank you that you made it clear. Thank you that we don't have to lean to the world for an understanding, but we can lean to you. Bless every marriage in this home. Let every heart be soft and moldable and tender. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. I didn't recognize our visitors. If you're visiting today, raise your hand. If you're, if you're visiting today, any visitors? We've got some visitors here, here, and here, over here. Give them all a big God bless you. We love you. Thank you for being here today. Um, Pastor Dren and I will be out in the lobby after service. We'd love to meet you and just say hi to you. But marriage, praise the Lord. And uh, we've been married now 19 years. 20 years this year. 20 years this October. Yeah. And if she leaves me, I'm going with her. Because I could never afford the child support. I'd have to move in with you and your new husband. If, if, <laughs> anyway, with eight kids, my Lord. So let's start off with this scripture. If you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to write this down, or write it on your phone, whatever. But Nehemiah 4.14. Um, you want to read it? I'll read it. Sure. Okay. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Wait, don't be afraid of them. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I want to say this to every, every mom and dad in this room. Do not be afraid of this world Amen. to stand up for truth. That's right. Do not be afraid to stand up for righteousness. Do not be afraid to stand up for the word of God. Do not be afraid to stand up against this demonic, woke ideology 
that wants to destroy our families and our homes. Do not be afraid. Turn to somebody and say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Go ahead. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your family. Fight for your families. Fight for them. Come on, somebody. Fight. Somebody say, fight for your families. Now is the time to fight for your families. And I'm not talking about going out here with a, a weapon and getting in a physical fight or a Facebook fight. I'm talking about fighting, fighting in prayer. Yes. I'm talking that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, Amen. casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's right. Amen. Fight for your families. Your what? Your sons and daughters. Your sons and daughters. Fight for your children. It's okay to be a, a boy. Masculinity is not toxic. I'm sick of hearing it. It's not toxic. Masculinity is from God. God made me a man. Testosterone is from the Lord. Come on, men. Don't leave me out there by myself. I'm proud to be a man. I'm proud of it. We like competition. We like watching fights. I walked in the house last, last night after not seeing my kids for almost a week, and the twin boys, they ran up to me and started punching me. <laughs> Just, get them, get them, get them, get them. They were hitting me and punching me and trying to take me out. Because they're boys. And my girls came up to me, and they hugged me and kissed me and cuddled with me and loved me and told me how wonderful I was. And femininity is wonderful, and it is a gift from the Lord, and it's okay to be feminine. Can I get an amen about that? I don't need Pastor Joanne to be masculine. I don't need to walk in the house and she's trying to punch me and put me in a headlock and trying to show I can do everything you can do, and I'm a man too, and I don't need that. Just so you ladies know, we're not attracted to that. We're not, we're not attracted to men. Don't act like us. We're, it doesn't turn us on. We want soft and gentle and kind and affectionate and lovely and wonderful. We, 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 that, we like that. Can I get an amen about it? I don't need her trying to give me a flying kick and headlock me when I walk in and talk about she can do it. God made you a woman. Be a woman. Be who God made you to be. And I'm not saying that you can't have a lot of wonderful traits and different things too, and and you can't do sports or you can't do things. I'm not saying that you can't do business. I'm just saying that that it's okay to be who God made you to be. And get get your identity from Jesus and not the world. Can I get an amen about that? Your sons and your daughters, your wives, fight for your wife. Fight for her. And fight for your homes. Fight for them. Now is the time to fight for them. And and you you won't fight if you're afraid. And so the only way to not be afraid is to spend time with Jesus. And that's the only way I can get up here and say what I say is because I I don't fear people. I fear not obeying the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen? And so when you when you spend time with him, he gives you the fear of the Lord and you lose your fear of people. 
And then you can fight for your marriages, fight for your wife, fight for your sons and daughters. There's two genders there. Sons and you don't have to see you're scared. Don't be don't be afraid. There's two genders. Male and female. I just wrote two books. Joe and I just wrote two books, kids' books. God made me a boy. And God made me a girl. And we're not embarrassed nor ashamed about it. Can somebody say amen? Celebrate who God made you to be. God did not make a mistake with you. God didn't make a mistake with you. You're perfect. Amen? Nehemiah 4, 17 and 18 says, those who carried the materials did their work with their hands. One held a weapon. In one hand they held a hammer and the other they held a weapon. Your building, your business, your home, your family, you got a hammer in one hand and on the other hand you got a sword. That's right. This Bible is called the sword of the spirit. Can I get an amen about it? Amen. And you build with the hammer and, you, and at any moment you mess with my kids you mess with my marriage, you, you bring some nonsense in here, I have the Word of God. Can somebody say amen about that? And you write the Word of God upon the heart of your children. Your children are the only thing you can take to heaven with you. That's right. The only thing you can take to heaven with you, and you have to fight for them. You have to affirm them. You have to write prophetic words. If you were ever bullied in school, those are demonic prophecies. And demonic prophecies are so short you typically remember it. You're dumb, you're fat, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're a loser, nobody likes you, we hate you. These are demonic prophecies that many times are spoken over our children in schools and they come home so ashamed they say nothing and there you are silent. You need to put a word against a word and when the enemy opens his mouth, you open yours and say, baby girl, you are wonderful, you are beautiful. Everything about you is perfect from the color of your skin to the texture of your hair. You are fearfully and marvelously made. You are called and anointed for such a time as this. God's hand is on your life to heal your generation. God's hand is on your life to be healing ointment to this season and to that school. God's hand is a you to bless the nations. You have to be a prophetic voice in your home to your children and to your spouse to bring the healing that God has called you to bring. And sometimes our teenagers won't like that. They'll be like, oh, you don't like me, you hate me, you this, but they will thank you later on in life. Oh, yeah. That you took out that sword and you started fighting for them because the spiritual attack on our kids is so strong right now. So strong. That they need you to stand up for what is right for them because they can't make that decision on their own. Not right now. No. They have to get stronger in their walk with the Lord, and you are the person that is there covering their pastor and their home that has to stand up for what is right and righteousness and not be their friend. Not be their friend. Be their parent. That's right. For God's sake, be a parent. Yes. Well, I gotta get back to my phone. I'm sorry, you're raising a child. Mm-hmm. Well, I gotta get back to my show. I'm sorry, you're a parent. I paid for that TV and I paid for that phone, so I will have it. That's right, in Jesus' name. That's right. You are a homeless person mm-hmm. living in our house yep. that we feed and clothe. Now we have an 18-year-old. We have a legal homeless person. He is. He's homeless. 
And you have to write the Word of God on their heart. More than ever, we need an anointing to be married. And you've got to spend a lot of time with Jesus to be like him. You know, they say the older you get, the more you start to look like your spouse. You know, you start to just look alike and everything. We were talking the other day, we were married 19 years, and I can't tell you how many times now I'll say, she's like, I was totally getting ready to say that. <laughs> or I'm like, let's, she goes, I was just getting ready to say that, or vice versa. Do Doesn't that happen all the time? Yes. And I think it's because you, the more you spend time together, you start to think alike. You start to know what you agree upon. This is how it is with Jesus. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you start to look like Jesus. The more you start to like what he likes. The more you start to think, he says something to you and you go, I was thinking the same thing. You go, that sounds like the Lord. I know him, that sounds like him. This is what comes when you spend time with Jesus. You start to begin to become a lot like him. And you and Jesus and your spouse, a threefold cord, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. And when you spend time with him, you become meek and lowly. You value purity. Can I get an amen about that? And Adam, you know, the question is why are so many people on the verge of divorce? When Adam was first created, he was created in Genesis chapter two. And he was there for some time by himself because he named all the animals. And there wasn't a, a helper suitable for him. I don't know how long it took, but I do know that the devil never attacked him when he was alone. But when God created marriage, all of a sudden the devil attacked it. That's right. And many times we say that there was the fall of man in Genesis 3. And Genesis 3 is when the fall of man came. We call it the fall of man, but it was really the fall of marriage. Because in Genesis 3, Eve was there. It wasn't just Adam. It was a marriage. And in Genesis 3, we see the fall of marriage. And I would suggest to you that um, we need the Lord to be the threefold cord in all of our marriages in order for it to work. And marriage shows up in the image of God in Ephesians 5. The image of God is the presence of God. It's referred to as the face of God. Anytime you see the face of God in the Bible, the face of God means the presence of God. When we sing songs like, show me your face, what we're saying is, show me your presence. How many of you want to be in the presence of God? And marriage reveals the culture and the nature of God, the commitment of God, the fidelity of God, the sacrificial love of God. And when you get married, when you are put together, marriage kills selfishness. Amen? If you want to be independent, don't get married. Because once you get married, it's no longer about you. And God help you if you have kids. It's definitely no longer about you. Can I get an amen about that? And it makes you come outside of yourself and love another person. Sacrificially. You know? And it takes you some time for God to really help you become the man that he's called you to be, you're gonna be an old husband before you're a good husband. I wish I had an older man who could say amen. 
you're going to be an old mama before you're a good mama. Because it takes time. How many of you right now, if you could just go back five years knowing what you know now, how much better you could do it? You just go, man, I would have. How many of you wish you could just go back and slap yourself <laughs> and think, you silly, you stubborn, silly, hard-headed. You know, if you could just go back and change it. And when God created Eve, all of a sudden, the devil shows up and they fell in Genesis 3 and Genesis 6. By Genesis 6, the whole world is corrupt. And the devil's a strategist. He knows if he can get the marriage, he gets the family. He gets the children. He gets society. He gets the financial institutions. He gets churches. He gets, he gets learning institutions when he destroys the home. Why do you think that the whole attack on our society today is over the home? Everything is to destroy marriage, kill babies, destroy gender. It's the total disintegration of God's institution of marriage and the home. Do you live in this world? This is what we're living in. And without the word of God, without the presence of God, we will end up a corrupt people, just like in Genesis 6. By Genesis 6, the whole world had been corrupt. And the devil understands that if he can detect marriage, he destroys our children, men, women, institutions, financial institutions, learning institutions, the church and everything. And the most important thing we can do is submit our marriages to the Lord and submit one to another. Going to Joanne and saying, is there anything in my life that you see that's not like Jesus? You want to know what our pastors teach us? The greatest gift you can give your spouse is permission to correct you. I never get an amen when I preach that. <laughs> Ever. I don't care what kind of church I'm in, no one ever says amen to that. Because we're all selfish people. We're all selfish people. We want what we want and how we feel and when we feel it and who knows how you feel that day. We just have to guess. And that's how you're supposed to live and make me happy based on how I feel when I wake up that day. If we don't spend time with Jesus. That's right. I mean, what the Lord's done in our life, in our marriage over the last year through prayer has completely changed our home. I would, yes, completely. I think this is the best year we've ever had in our whole marriage. I think it's the best year we've ever had in mm -hmm. our whole marriage, mm -hmm. the best year. And I would say it's, it's, yes, it is getting up in the morning and spending time with Jesus, but I'm telling you, doing the tabernacle prayer really gets to you, who you are as a person, and what am I doing, and how am I thinking, and why do I think that way? That by the time you're done, you're, you know, it says to, like, do your list. I'm like, okay, Lord, you know what, you know. I don't even need to talk about this because you've already dealt yeah. with all of me, and probably most of the things that I'm praying about is me. Yeah. I just don't want to admit it. And I think that once you do that consistently, even if you don't feel it, because it's hard sometimes to do it, He's working on you. He's working on your heart. He's working on how you think. He's working on how you see people. He's, he's filling you with the love of Christ that just loves people and is forgiving and gives people grace. And so you walk into your day with that, and you give that to your spouse because you're, mm. you have to love your spouse like Christ loves them. And sometimes that's very hard, but you're like, what would Jesus do right now? 
This is the question I ask myself all day long with my children, with my husband, with everybody that I deal with. I'm like, Lord, what would you do right now? Because I need to act like that. I'm trying to kill my flesh. I need to act like that. And so it's, it, it just it changes who you are to the core because you're seeing yourself in a different light than being selfish and being all about your feelings and what do I want and what do they need to give me and the fence, so much offense, that you just overcome that through doing this prayer that we've been doing every day. Yeah. And it's, it's just been amazing, not just on my part, because like, my first, I'm like, Lord, change him, do these things, touch him, he needs it, Lord, speak to him. All these things that happened, I'm like, what is wrong with me? Forgive me, Lord. It's me. I need to change me, and you're going to deal with him. Wow. And now, I, would, I, I am a very strong-headed person. And so it's very difficult, me for, difficult for me to apologize, but now I can come to him and say, I'm really sorry I did that. I didn't mean it like that. This is what I did. And I don't feel like it's above me to apologize anymore. Beautiful. Because when you, when you pray that prayer, a big part of it is repentance. That's right. You know, and you're like repenting of things daily. That's right. And it's... And how you're thinking and feeling. Yeah, all of it. It's just all... We're, we are so dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Come on, can I get any minute? See, all of, all of us are dysfunctional, just all of us have not recognized it. And when you, when you spend time with the Lord, all of a sudden you begin to realize, oh my gosh, I am totally dysfunctional. It makes you run to Jesus. That's right. Yes, it does. And you're like, I, I am a real mess, Lord. And I need, I need you daily mm-hmm. in order to be what you've called me to be. And then you can lay down all of these prides and insecurities. And when you spend time with the Lord, though, he, he, I've, I've said this, he gives you an anointing. And I'm learning this. Um, when I spend time with Jesus, when I talk to her, my words are effective. They work. Yeah. When I don't spend time with Jesus, they do not work, and I get angry. When she spends time with the Lord, God anoints her words, and her words penetrate my heart. And I go, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix that. We're going to do that. I receive that. And when you don't spend time with the Lord, your words just, and then you got two people not spending time with Jesus. And then everybody's angry and ne- it's like nobody can hear what the other person is saying. And you just get more angry, more angry, and then everybody withdraws, and then you start manipulating each other. Because now, now it turns demonic. Yeah. See, as long as Adam and Eve had God, everything in the marriage was good. Yeah. Once they rejected God, they immediately started rejecting each other. That's right. The woman thou gavest to be with me. Now you're mad at God. You're the one who gave her to me. She's a mess. <laughs> like you understand like so as soon as you reject God you start rejecting each other your relationship with your spouse is directly tied to your relationship with God and if you are rejecting God it's going to be rejection 
the words you speak to your spouse will be rejected. And there's no other way around it. And your children. And your children. The anointing costs what it costs, and it doesn't go on sale. How many people think your pastor should pray and spend time with Jesus before he talks to you? Mm-hmm. Raise your hand if you think I should do it. You're like, no, I, Pastor, honestly, I think you should pray mm-hmm. and spend time with Jesus before you talk to us. Why do you think that's important that I do that? So that I have an anointing? So that when I talk to you, the words touch your heart? The same way you think your pastor needs to do it, you are the pastor in your home. You need to do it for your congregation. That's right. Your church, your church, and some of y'all got three members, five members, seven members. You got seven members in your church and you can't get them to pray. You can't get your seven members to get along. Some of y'all got church splits. (laughs) Because you as a pastor of that church are not spending time with Jesus. And that's the price. That's, that's what it costs. That's right. I mean, with teenagers, you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill them. <laughs> They're driving me nuts. And then you go, oh my gosh, I've not spent any time with Jesus. Yeah. And that's why I'm so angry. If you have teenagers, you absolutely have got to pray to survive. <laughs> to survive. Amen? And I need this as a husband. I see Joanne different when I pray. I can honor who she is instead of stumbling over who she's not. Most people can't honor their spouse for what they are because they keep stumbling over what they're not. And when you spend time with with the Lord, I get the right perspective of Joanne. And I realize being married to Joanne is like being responsible for the Hope Diamond. Where I feel constantly in awe and massively protective. Mm -hmm. Because you see her differently. You see her through the lens of the Lord as God's child. And let me tell you why most of you have a hard time forgiving your spouse. You have a hard time forgiving your spouse because you think you're a better disciplinary than Jesus. That's good. And because they're not feeling the pain you think they should feel, you're gonna get involved with the spanking. And you start withholding love, silent treatments, affections, and really this is witchcraft because anytime I change my behavior I withhold love to manipulate her behavior you might as well be sticking pins in a doll this is like witchcraft and the worst thing the Bible says it, it says manipulation is as the spirit of witchcraft that's what the Bible says and the worst thing is your children are watching and you end up raising little witches mm. that learn at five and seven and eight how to become master manipulators 
rather than being like Jesus at forgiving. I mean, we had to learn this. You can't go to your little sister and say, I hate you. You're the most annoying little sister in the world. Just because you're mad. Yeah, it's because you're mad. And no, you will not be Satan's evangelist in our home. You're not gonna be filled with hate because hate's how you make Satan your pastor. You're gonna redeem it with a godly prophecy. We don't just say I'm sorry. You can't say I'm sorry. You need to repent. You need to go to them and say, I need to repent for, for telling you that you're annoying. That was wrong and demonic, and I, I need to redeem it. You're, you're not annoying. You're actually wonderful and beautiful, and you're the greatest little sister in the world, and God has put healing medicine inside of you, and you'll probably be a multimillionaire and heal people all over the world for Jesus, and I bless you in Jesus' name. Praise God. That's how we apologize. Like, if you don't teach that, and if your children don't see mom and dad do that, let me ask your kids to apologize. I'm sorry. Where'd they learn that? Where'd they learn that from? From you. Sorry, I told you I was sorry. Now you got six-year-olds apologizing like that. They're terrible at doing what you ask them to do. They're amazing at doing what they see you do. And so we have to learn to, I'm, I'm modeling forgiveness right now to my family. That's right. And I have to model and honor who they are. Raise the level of honor in your home. I'm gonna say it again. Raise the, thou shalt honor thy mother or thou shalt live somewhere else. Amen? Especially those of you that have little girls. I don't even let, I, don't, I do not like it when Nicholas, who's sitting over here, six foot tall, 240 some pounds, sits down and eats and his little sister's not been served. I'm like, get up, get up, go get her plate, get her a fork, get her, get her a napkin and a drink, sit down, Pull the chair out for her. Say, is there anything else that you need? I don't want to do that. I know. This is why it's worship. <laughs> to Jesus. Because worship is doing what God wants you to do when you don't want to do it. Yes. It's not singing songs. It's so silly to come in here and sing songs and we're not living a life. It's like I tell my kids, clean the room, and I come home, and they didn't clean the room, but they go, we didn't clean it. <laughs> but we wrote you a song about a clean room. And we would like to sing that for you now. I don't think God needs another song on Sunday about something we're not living. Our kids would probably do that too. Yeah, we wrote you this wonderful song. I just want you to clean your room. Because I want my daughters so familiar with honor that when they go on their first date at 35, 37 years old, <laughs> and the guy doesn't pull the chair out for them, doesn't open the door for them, they go, my own brother shows me more honor than you. My own brother. A, a lot of women get into relationships with men they should have never got into because they were not familiar with honor. You want them familiar with honor. And you start by honoring mom. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. Your spouse cannot meet your deepest needs. Read our deepest needs. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. Your spouse cannot meet those. Read them again. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose, which is what I tell a lot of the single people in the room. When you get married, you're not going to get all this. You have to have this before you get married. You're seeking you get it, it from the Lord. You get it from the Lord because you're seeking it from someone, but only God can fill that. Because you're going to be married and you're still going to be seeking this, and then he's not going to give it to you, and then you're going to be like, oh, I made a mistake. What did I do? It's not any of that. It's because you're not going to Jesus. And he has to fill that, and he has to tell you who you are, and he has to fill that void in your heart that you're feeling. A person cannot fill that. They will never fulfill. They will never come up to your standard of what you need because only God can do that. Mm. He will always be slacking if, I have him, if I'm holding him to a standard that he doesn't even know what my standard is because it's in my feelings, in my imagination. you got to go to the Lord. You imagined it. Yes, you imagined it. You can't do that. That's why I tell all my single people, be content where you are right now because this is the only time in your life that it's just going to be you and God and you can do whatever the Lord tells Enjoy you. Enjoy being single. Enjoy it because your life forever will be changed. Look at all the married people. Married. <laughs> Clapping for you single people. Y'all feel like a piece of luggage on the bag claim that nobody wants. Enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy that moment. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It is. You know, and it's leaving, and, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful season um, that, it, that is leaving. It is. And, and it's learn a very to, short season. It's a short season, and learn to value that season more than ever before. And you don't want to be a half a person looking for another half a person. You're a whole person looking for a whole person. And until you become a whole person, you should not get married. Yeah, do not get married. Absolutely, do not. Do not let your teenagers date. Yes, yes, yes and yes. If you want to leave, leave. But do not let your teenagers date. Let me tell you why. Because now that I like you and you like me, now that I love you and you love me, if I cannot give you a ring and a wedding date and a home, I'll give you all I have, which is my body. That's right. Because love demands that you give. Yeah. Yeah. For God so love, you cannot let people fall in love and not have something to give. That's why you got 90% of evangelical young adults are sexually active. That's why you have the divorce rate now over 50%. Why is it, why is it 50, 60%? Because our teenagers are practicing divorce at 17, 18, 19, 20, and most of them are not getting married till their 30s. So now they've gone through five, seven divorces, and you play like you practice. And practice does not make perfect, practice makes permanent. I don't want my teenagers practicing divorce. I do not want Alexander, who's 18, and he's homeless. <laughs> he's a homeless person. I don't want him giving, I don't want him practicing divorce on a girl, giving his heart and everything to a girl only to walk away. I want you to prepare yourself for marriage. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on preparing yourself for marriage. And when you give in to all those temptations... Your heart, your heart just becomes a little bit thicker and a little bit thicker and a little bit thicker that it, you don't feel that conviction anymore. And that's why us as parents have to protect our children to not have to walk through that. Yes, they will be tempted, but they can overcome the temptation. But if they keep giving in to the temptation, it's going to be a little bit harder for them to overcome that. That's right. That's right. 
And most people aren't getting married in their early 20s and late teens. So the, the problem is not that their friends are getting married. The problem is all their friends are dating. All their friends are practicing divorce. That's the temptation. Because look at the stats. They're not getting, people aren't getting married in their late teens. People aren't getting married in their early 20s. What they're doing is dating in their late teens and early 20s. And let me tell you why, let me tell you why he has a hard time marrying you. Huh? If this was a picture frame and I was going to put it on the wall, what would I ask you? Is it straight? Why would I ask you if it's straight? Because I'm too close. The closer you get, the less straight, the less you can tell if it's straight. If you sleep with them before you marry them, now you're like this. I like this is she's everything I, I think everything I've ever wanted. And your mom's like, baby, it's upside down. You just don't want me to be happy. You're trying to ruin control my life. You don't understand. You don't understand. This is everything I want. You know why he's scared to ask you to marry him? Because he's like he's like here. He's here. And he he wants to marry you. He's scared if it's straight. He's gotten too close to tell if it's straight. So what you need to do is, is find a way to pull back. Mm-hmm. You gotta find a way to pull back so that you both can tell if it's straight. Then you can commit. Can I get an amen about it? Then you can commit. That's good. That's hard to hear. It is. It's hard to hear, but it's, it's the truth of God's word. And don't put these, these deepest needs on your spouse because the minute you don't get it from God, you put it on your spouse, they can't do it. Mm-hmm. Now you're angry at them. I'm a... I'm a great Jonathan. I'm a bad Jesus. I'm a really bad Jesus. That's good. So if she's coming to me for identity, she's coming to me for acceptance, she's coming to me for all that kind of stuff, I'm terrible at that. I'm great at being Jonathan. I'm bad at being Jesus. And so she's got to get that from the Lord. Your spouse cannot make you happy. That's right. You got to get that from Jesus. Praise the Lord. You got to get that from the Lord. And when you spend time with God, you get the fruit of the Spirit. Which is? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you want that in your marriage? That's what you get when you spend time with Jesus is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And you need it in your home. And then, last thing I want to say to you before we pray is you guys all, everybody in the room, but especially my married people, you guys start reading the Word of God. That's right. Every single day. If you've been serving the Lord for years and you do not have at least one chapter of the Bible memorized, you are mismanaging the Word of God. And I tell you this as a loving pastor. You need to get the Word of God in your heart. Let me tell you why. Because the Word of God is God. And every time you memorize a scripture, you put a piece of Jesus in you. You put a piece of God in you. And I want to encourage all of you to start reading and memorizing the word of God. The Bible says, hide it in your heart that you may not sin against the Lord. And I want to encourage you to do this. Some of you have songs memorized. You've got poetry memorized. You've got all kinds of things memorized. But you don't have the word of God memorized. And let's start that journey this year to say we're going to get the word of God memorized 
Because when you memorize the word of God, it changes your perspective. You see your spouse different. You see her different. You no longer, you learn how to quantify criticism and qualify criticism. Oh, God, that's so good. Qualify criticism. All criticism's not the same. If, you, if you've been married for six months and you're coming up to me talking to me about how to do marriage, I'm sorry. Your criticism, I, I'm not qualifying your criticism. Come on, can somebody say amen about it? Oh, look what they posted on social media. This person has never built anything in their life. They've never built a business. They've never built a family. It's easy for them to criticize, but you have to qualify people's criticism. All criticism is not equal. When people want to criticize, somebody said, oh, so-and-so is criticizing the church. I was like, do they even come here? No. Have they ever volunteered? No. Have they ever given a one penny? No. <laughs> They're not a part of the family. We're not going to listen to All criticism is not equal. That's right. Can I get an amen about it? You, 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 have, you, have to, you have to qualify that. Your spouse has earned the right to correct you. That's right. They've earned the right. This criticism or, or constructive, whatever you want to call it, you need to take that to heart and take what your spouse is saying at face value and say, I'm at least going to go to God and pray about that and not point out things that they do. This is called the crazy cycle. How many of you have been on the crazy cycle before? Well, you didn't do this. Well, you didn't do that. Well, you didn't do this. Well, you don't do that. How many people have been down that before? I've been down the, and then, and it's going down. It's going down. How many, how many of you have ever, you could, it's spinning. We're in a downward spiral. You got to pull out of that. You got to pull out of that and just take what they're saying at face value and learn to Acknowledge it and ask for prayer. We had to learn this. How come you can't change the toilet paper holder? She'd say, on the toilet paper roll, you are 45 years old. My God, how old do you have to be to change a toilet paper holder on the toilet paper roll? And you know, spending time with Jesus, I just over I just overlook it now. It's just Well, I would, I would come to you and say, I don't know. I think, I used to point out things she do. Now I'd go, I don't know. I think I'm too lazy to get up <laughs> and go in the other room and get a new roll of toilet paper. So if I leave a little bit, it's someone else's problem. <laughs> and I am dysfunctional, and I need you to pray a lot for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Did you get something out of that today? Come on, give God a praise. Give Pastor Joanne a big God bless you. Now here's how we want to end our service. We're going to end our service this way. I want all my married couples to stand if you're here with your spouse. If you're here with your spouse, would you stand? And, and here's, what I, here's what I want you to do. How many of you received some oil on the way in? Okay, if you don't have oil, would you, a bottle of oil, would you raise your hand? Keep it real high. We got people all over that need some oil. Our ushers are coming. We want to give you a bottle of oil. 
And shut my doors to the auditorium, please, ushers. No one, no one moving around. This is very important and holy to the Lord. We got some over here to my right, some back here. They're doing the best they can. We won't start till you get it. We'll wait on you. They're bringing it, they're coming. Did everybody down here get oil? All of you have oil. Over here still. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. I want you to take the lid off that bottle of oil and I want you to anoint each other's ring finger. I want you to anoint each other's ring fingers. We're gonna end our service this way. And then you can put that lid back on. And then I want you, best you can, to face them and hold hands, best you can. And I want you to look at them holding their hands, and I want you, husbands, I want you to say this to your wife. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my confidant. I need you to forgive me and pray for me that I would be more like Jesus. You are my greatest gift and my greatest treasure. You are a gift from the Lord to my life. And I vow to love you and cherish you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poor. I vow to love you and only you as long as we both shall live. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Now, wives, would you look at your husbands and say this with me? Say, thank you for being the leader of our home. And I need you to pray for me so I can be the helpmeet that God has called me to be for you. I need you to forgive me. Thank you for your covering, your provision, and your protection. And I vow to love you in good times and in bad, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health. I vow to love you and only you as long as we both shall live. Thank you for being a gift to me. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Now, husbands, if you want to stay married to that diamond, give her a beautiful kiss right now. Amen. Now, all of you stand. Would you all stand with us? And I know there was a lot of people who were sitting in the room. You're single. But let me tell you something. I think you need to see married people in love and people in love who love Jesus.
We have enough people in the world showing us how to do it wrong. We need some people that can model how to do it right, too. Can I get an amen about that? Praise the Lord. And I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. And today, I want you to start giving your spouse permission to correct you. Not abuse you, not tear you down, not belittle you, but in love. And you know what's better is if you give them permission. If you go to them and say, hey, is there something in me that you see that's not like Jesus that I can pray about? Sometimes it's better to invite people in instead of letting people have to break in. Invite people in. Father, I bless the body of Christ. I thank you for the renewal of a vow. And Lord, we vow to love you. Can we all say this? Say, Jesus, we vow to love you and only you as long as we live, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poor. Jesus, we vow to love you, that you would be our God and we would be your people. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Hey, I know that this sermon blessed your heart. I hope it's been an encouragement to you to become more like Jesus. That's our heart and that's our prayer. He's the X on the treasure map. He is the topic of heaven. Everything is all about Jesus. And I want to encourage you, get up in the morning, spend time with him, pray, seek his heart, seek his face, and uh, see what he will do in your life. Before you go, I want to ask you to prayerfully consider being a truth partner. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, it reminds me of Aquila and Priscilla. Who would, who would help the Apostle Paul spread the message of truth. A couple, a married couple, uh, you know, would just invest to spread the message of truth to so many hurting people. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He is truth. And you can be a truth partner today by simply texting truth partner, one word, to 53555. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe to the channel. Click that little bell for notifications. But thank you for your generosity. So many of you give online, you give throughout the week, all over the nation. And I just want to say thank you so much. We're using this resource to continue to get this message of truth out to so many broken and hurting people. And uh, we want to be a blessing to you. And so let us know how we can pray for you. You know, comment below. There's a lot of resources on uh, my website uh, that are available to you but we want you to know how much we love you. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for being a truth partner. We'll see you back on the channel real soon.